Welcome back, Smegheads, and welcome to Smugman, a Red Dwarf podcast where we discuss the British sci-fi classic comedy Red Dwarf. I'm Ben Gilman. As always, I'm joined by Dan Rudge. Hey, yes. Tom Hill. Hey. And Troy Salmon. What's up? And today we continue our discussion of season three with episode three, Polymorph. Smug hey. mode is now engaged. So this episode's basic synopsis is the Red Dwarf crew encountered a polymorph, a genetically engineered space mutant that drains the emotions from humans that has arrived on board Red Dwarf. Who wants to go first? <laughs> well, I think I think who wants to go first is probably Lister and Crichton going at it. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they seem they seem pretty eager to be honest. There's a lot of f- fanfics being written on that scene. Um, but I have one question at the beginning. Oh, yeah. did, did you pen a few of them, Ben? <laughs> yeah, I think I think you did. <laughs> my, teeth, my other hands are busy. Um, You'll bonk anything, won't you? Uh, yeah, I'm like the cat and Jackson, Captain Jack Hartness from Torture I'll bonk anything. Um, please don't do it. Please don't. Please don't. Uh, so I have a couple of questions to start off the episode. Right. There was a warning on the beginning of this episode about graphic content, but I didn't see anything untowards, like anything dodgy. What do you guys think? No, I think it's a plot of a different time, mate. Yes, yeah, different alien looks like something that flipping really got really Scott, you know what I mean? Alien. Right. I, I, I think I think it was just a plot device. It was to make you go, oh, this is going to be interesting. Exactly, yeah. I, I, they, I honestly, it, I honestly it was think it was because there were two guys that looked like they might be simulating sex just for a joke. I think that was literally the entirety of the warning. Possibly, but no, but it was done after the watershed, so they didn't have to put any kind of warning, which is why I think they did it for effect rather than anything else. Fair. Like you probably yeah. got a you got a point. Question number two: Where are the scutters? They've not been seen in season three yet. Um, well, it's a big ship, isn't it? Yeah, it's a massive ship. Exactly. It just writes itself, isn't it? It's a massive ship. Every episode since season one and two, they've been in. Every yes, but episode. that was when they were downstairs. They weren't in the officers' quarters then. Did you ever see a scutter in the officers' quarters? Ever? Right. You've got too much knowledge. Um, <laughs> also, I have a question. Um, have you what? What are the rocks inside the bottom of the red dwarf hole? The black rocks that I've only just noticed there. What the um the fact that there's a bit of it that's kind of encrusted. Yeah, it looks a bit like I an. Think, I think that's because it's a mining ship, I guess. But I don't know. Also, the fact that it's been travelling around in space for millions of years, it's getting a bit crusty, I guess. Yeah, it's really gave it much thought. <laughs> Okay. Alternatively, so, it could be for ballast. <laughs> so, what I want to talk about is Crichton's Gronal socket. Um, I mean, I don't think they come back to this as much with Crichton's Gronal socket. Well, but he gets a lot of use out of it. Whisk. No one will eat the eggs, though. Okay, quick, quick question for you. One of my little pet peeves. Yeah. Lister put Crichton back together again, right? Yeah. So yeah. why wouldn't he know about the groinal socket? Surely, if, if he, he didn't put know what he was together... doing and was trying to do it based off of some sort of blueprint. Yeah, but he's obviously he's obviously put it in knowing there's a multi-attachment thing there because he's not that thick. I don't know. 
I don't know. That, it's possible that he's that thick. <laughs> All right, maybe. <laughs> Obviously, it's the bit. It's the bit where the aliens already masquerade him um, as a sausage or boxing shorts, and then obviously Crichton, wow, gets on top. And there's obviously the famous story of it took a couple of minutes for the audience to calm down. Chris Barry stood up. there for five minutes before he could deliver the line. Well, I can't say I'm yeah. completely surprised. Yeah. Which they left that <laughs> in a little bit longer. Uh, but it's, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if you saw it recently. There's been a documentary called The First Three Million Years, um, which is all about Red Dwarf, like up until season 12. It's really interesting. It's it's, and they were saying that they'd obviously rehearsed that scene, but they didn't know that it was going to get the reaction off the audience. It did. So that, and um, what's his name? Robert Llewellyn and uh, Craig Charles couldn't actually hear each other. Yeah. Craig Charles only knew when to say his lines because he knew when uh, uh, Crichton, the guy playing Crichton's mouth, stopped moving. So he then shouted his next line. He had no idea. They couldn't actually hear each other at all because the crowd were laughing so much <laughs> that they couldn't actually hear. And they had never predicted because when they'd rehearsed it, they'd done it. Okay, fine, yeah. <laughs> But with the audience, they hadn't realised that that was going to be the line that basically set the whole audience off, was those two doing that. Well, I don't know that. <laughs> Just goes to show basically yeah, always works. There was something you told me about it, about this episode, um, Tom, that was actually kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. The first use of something in particular. Oh, Yes. It's the first time there's any reference to Space Core Directives. Yeah, Space Core Directives. Where uh, Crichton says, what is the Space Core Directive that says that we must try and meet with other life forms or something? Um, It is our primary overriding duty to contact other life forms, exchange information, and wherever possible, bring them home. What about the Rimmer Directive that states quite clearly, never tangle with anything that's got more teeth than the entire Osman family? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I do. Um, but I, I, I share the cat's um, worry about the hospital tools for dinner and hospital. That, um, <laughs> He's cleaned that, them. They're all clean. Yeah, but, but how clean is it really to prepare food with something that's been in somebody's body? How clean if is it's it been ever? Sterilized. I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, but I would share the cat's. Um, yeah, I'll be like, ah, I'll be like, yeah. I would take the chance. I'll be like, no. look, 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 kidney trays make great side dishes. That's true. They do. <laughs> but it's because it's hospital related. It's just kind of, I don't there know. Comes, there comes a point in every three million year journey through space where pragmatism takes precedence. <laughs> Very good point. <laughs> Got a point. Got a point. Thank my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be done. <laughs> the star. So, but anyway, yeah. Moving uh, yeah, on. Does anybody, so, does, does anybody <laughs> notice on the the thing when Rimmer does the food, this does the food, they, it comes out really nice and hot all of a sudden. It's like a magic microwave. Yeah. Uh, uh, I just figured it was basically a food replicator. Like, that was their way of doing, like, the most budget food replicator in the most funny way they could, in the most Lister way they could. Yeah, that would make sense. Because the man literally spews powder into a microwave. That's it. (laughs) 
That's why yeah. I thought it was weird. Just, just enough. Takes the single spoonful out, throws that away, Not pours the much. entire can Not in. Mm. Um, but no, it does say here the, the pre-credits warning about the episode's content was just a comedic device. Okay. This episode was broadcast past the 9pm watershed where adult content is allowed. Yeah, that's what I thought. See, but they did it in such a good style. It might, it might have been the bit where it was about um, Lister and Rimmer's mom. <laughs> well, let's let's get to there in its proper place. Because yeah. <laughs> so, the, the whole point of this episode is it gave all the characters the chance to be something a little bit different to what they'd been for every single episode up until this point. I have a question. Yeah, go so, on. So during the whole first couple of scenes where Lister's in his dressing gown, He's not wearing pants. It's only when he puts the boxes on you realize, wait, this is not wearing pants. He's gone commander. That's yeah. Oh. But then again, he kept the road closed, so fine. So we get a bit more about Rimmer's childhood. So his brothers made him the Queen of Spain. <laughs> yep. And a landmine in the sand pit. What a great family. No wonder why Rimmer's so far. No, yeah. But yeah, it's just I, I. All right, here's another minor pet peeve. Okay. This, this creature, this polymorph, mm. it sucks emotions out of you, right? Yeah. So what exactly is it sucking on when it puts the thing on Rimmer's head, and how does it do that? He's made of light. Sorry, I think we're going to have to consult polymorph physiology for the answer to that one, Tom. I know it's all that being, but I don't know. If it will, I'm, 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 I know I'm being really picky because it's one of Chris Barry's best. Him without the anger is fucking hilarious. But... Just, yeah. Him being happy is just. Him being happy is just. Call it extreme if you like, but I propose we hit it hard and hit it fast with a major, and I mean major, leaflet leafleting campaign. campaign. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. I'm sorry, that's just and Craig Charles, the ni- Lister, the nicest guy, having no fear, <laughs> is just brilliant. Brilliant. My wife thought it improved his acting. I was like, yikes. My wife actually thinks he should be an actor in EastEnders. She doesn't think Craig Charles is very good at acting. Did they? Did they ever actually get to a point where they figured out the um, the choice for their group? What they're going to call themselves? Huh? Which which you know? one? No, the group between the League they... Against Salivating Monsters or the Committee for the Liberation and Integration of Terrifying Organisms and their rehabilitation into society? Got to be clitoris, surely. I mean, oh, I, yeah, that's, that's that's my choice. I'll go for the clitoris every time. Received hate mail because of a clitoris joke. Um, one yeah. woman wrote that she was so appalled oh. by the joke she would never watch the show again. I was also embarrassed that she had to explain what a clitoris is to her eight-year-old daughter. I would actually make sure you're a good mother and not let your kid watch something that they're inappropriate for, you silly bitch. On, you know? on the other hand, <laughs> on the other Sorry. hand, like, there's also something to be said about you don't want to educate your child about their own biology. Well, why should you know what I mean? Of them. Like, AJ, come on. So the polymorph is the first bad guy in the series. 
He's obviously, well, yeah. It's, it's not supposed to be a bad guy. That's the point. It's supposed to be, why is it, uh, the ultimate warrior? Well, the first antagonist, then. It's, um, it's there, but, like there is to disarm your enemies without having to fight. But he's going, but what do we think of the design? Design? Oh, it's very um, old school, isn't it? But, um, yeah, it, yeah, it very much reminded me of Uncle Jerry. Uh, <laughs> what? I, I'd, I'd say Pumpkinhead as an old, old school horror fan myself. Pumpkinhead, so that kind of vibe to me. Pumpkinhead mixed with Alien. Oh, God. Pumpkinhead. Jesus Christ. Classic right there. There we go. For the horror fans out there. Hmm. Thought it sort of had a, a Skeksis vibe. Yeah. Yeah, you got a point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, look, when it comes down to it, it fit what it was supposed to be very well. Yeah, yeah. It really did. And especially as you don't even know if that is its actual form, because when it's introduced, it's introduced as Lister's worst fear. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, you got Yeah, true. Yeah, it really looks like. It's ambiguous, yeah. And then the, yeah. But yeah, so, so Lister loses his fear, right? Yeah. And they try and isolate him so that he can't fuck with anything. And then they go and try and figure it out. And then the polymorph gets to Lister again. Yeah. But does so to... To get on. Fuck with Rimmer. Oh, sorry. I, fucks Lister to get at. It does fuck him because um, he has no fear. Yeah, and the great thing is, um, we fu- he definitely fucked the alien. Um, there's that scene of what is Rimmer's mother? Um, the it's it's morphed into um, Rimmer's mother, and they definitely had coitus boy. Yeah, you want to the Yeah, definitely. I do love Crichton in so energetic, honestly. I thought my false teeth were going to go out. <laughs> Lovely. Um, Things that so... boy can do with Alpha Betty Spaghetti. Ooh. Alpha Betty Spaghetti! <laughs> I do love how Crichton has insulted Rimmer's mum accidentally. Um, and oh, my Oh, music. I think my favourite line when I was younger was one swift knee in the happy sack because it'll drop like anyone else. It was always my favourite line when I was younger. Mine was, it needs killing. If that means I have to sacrifice my life in some stupid, pointless way, then all the better. <laughs> I love Chris Barry. I love the T-shirt, give Keish a chance. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's the best thing about this episode. Best T-shirt I've seen you wear. Yeah, that's my favorite about as well. <laughs> yeah, you've been very quiet so far. What do you think of this episode? What's your favorite? You know me already. I'm a sci-fi guy, so I love the second this episode. Me, I love the design, the effects with like the fear and stuff. I love stuff like that. Anything to do with like, you know, I'm a charm fan, guys. Everyone knows I'm a charm fan. So do not bring charmed into this podcast. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Try it, try it, try it. I'll kick you out of the room. No, 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 I've changed my mind. I've changed my mind on my favorite line in this episode. Okay. It's so. when they're f- that all four of them have had 
their stuff like removed and Crichton's had his conscience removed and he's like behind all of them with a big gun going, tasty humans, come out and get them. You know, you guys are savage. But yeah, as I was saying before, because um, obviously got the fear in there, they've got, they got the guilt, you know, saying just everything's just been taken away, stripped to this bare minimum. And I it's love quite, stuff like it's quite good to see Cat not being the exactly. Bad yeah. yeah. Bad I think everybody's right except me. <laughs> <laughs> just don't just just forget that I'm here. Because <laughs> um, there was a, but there was a character in Charm called Barbus. It literally reminded me of that, but in alien form, because it literally went to everyone's fears. Okay, who was that person fear? Okay, da da da. So my, so I loved, it. I loved it. Charm, man. See, it goes to everything. Charm can go into any show. No, about. it doesn't. Anyway, let's get back on. <laughs> oh, here we go. go on. Okay, so go what, what are we having next? Is it the um... Dave Lister? That's the... quote Dave Lister. I mean, the Dave Lister. Um, what's your favourite line? <laughs> I love the bit where he says. Why don't we go to the ammunition stores, get the nuclear warheads and shoot them to my head? I'm not the snugger to oblivion. That's yeah. my personal favourite. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure if that would work in comparison to, you know, car boot sales, some street theatre, possibly even some benefit concerts. Or last... If that's not enough, I'm sorry, it's time for the T-shirts. Mutants out. Chameleonic life forms? No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so the plan so I don't understand the plan though. The plan is to run away in Starbuck. What were they going for? No, no, the plan is to is to deal with it. They just they, they never really get to how they're going to. Yeah. And in the end their own blunders end up saving their life. It really with is those energy beams. Yeah, the heat seeking um yeah. The heat seeking just wander around the entire ship until they find something to blow up. No, no, in fairness, <laughs> why, they do you, chase... why do you need a polymorph if you have things which are bullets that will just hang around in the air and vaporize whatever they come into contact with? That, yeah, that was ridiculous. On a mining ship. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. The weapon my they have is. This episode ends on a cliffhanger where we find out there's a second one and that there's a second Dave Lister on board. Um, uh, well, that depends which version you watch. There's a remastered version as well, isn't it? Yeah, the remastered version. Um, they changed it from being a second Dave Lister to being a bouncing beach ball that they then did a little after bit to explain that it was less violent than the other one and went and lived in Lister's clean underwear drawer and died many years later of old age. <laughs> and the reason for that was um, one of the writers said that he was sick and tired of asking what happened to the second polymorph that looked like Lister. So he rewrote it so that the other one wasn't a danger and they never realised it was there. Was basically the way he got around it. <laughs> that that makes me feel so bad for the second polymorph. Which just goes to show you how rarely Lister went to his clean underwear drawer. That's starts with suffering right there. My God. So what do we think of this episode then? My favourite of season three by a mile. First Barry, everyone is bringing their A to this episode. Even Crichton being a snarky little bitch in the corner. 
Oh yeah, there's one thing. I don't know if you noticed. There's one bit. You know when they're whispering in the cargo yeah. bay. Yeah. And uh, Crichton's actually speaking with an English accent because it was the first scene they filmed, and um, Robert Llewellyn hadn't decided what accent to go with yet. Yeah. So yeah, uh... just 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 a. But because he's whispering, you kind of don't really notice it. But actually, he's using his own voice. At that point, <laughs> I think about that all my days. That's true. Watch that. Yeah, but I mean, literally, like, I think it was the very first thing he ever filmed, and yeah. he just hadn't come to a decision about the voice yet. Oh, that's really like going between um, between accents and that. Yeah, because he had he tried quite a few apparently. Yeah. Before he found the one he wanted. Also, this is the very first episode that wasn't done in front of a studio audience. Oh, snap. Oh, no, 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 sorry. No, I'm wrong. It's the next one that wasn't. I say, yeah. My apologies. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> okay. what, what do we think of the episode? So Tom thinks it's his favourite of season three. What about you two? Hey, you always know what my answer is, Ben. You always know what my answer is. Sci-fi king right here. If you aliens, I'm oh, good. good. I, yeah. You know that. I, don't, I don't see any reason to argue with these opinions. It is literally the best one they did in season three by a country fucking mile. Amen. Amen, fucker. Also, I, mean, it's, I, I will actually, like, I will say that there are things in the earlier ones that I do like better. Like personally, but that doesn't mean that I don't recognize that this is the one which, like, they bring everything. They bring the science fiction, they bring the tension, they bring the slight horror vibe to it, they bring the comedy, they bring the timing, character work. The writing is smooth as fuck. <laughs> what else is there to say? There's not much to say, but Body Morphis is a great episode all around. I mean, I always wondered because, on a personal level, Polymorph is the very first Red Dwarf episode I ever saw. So I always wondered whether it was just because I had a nostalgia thing for it as my first episode or whether it was as good as I remembered it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same. I'm glad to hear that you guys are of the same kind of opinion. Yeah, it's undisputedly the best episode of the season. And I don't think it gets bettered. No, but there are. I wouldn't say there's a single episode in season two that is weak. In season three, that is weak. No. Yeah, yeah. It's not, 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 not weak, but just like you know what I mean. Mm. No, but this is this is this for me is the most complete episode. It's the pinnacle, pinnacle for the season. Yeah, yeah. Well, we don't want to bring you down for the next couple of weeks, people. But yeah, this is this <laughs> is the best. One. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they were like, damn it, I don't watch the rest of them. Okay, so. I think that about wraps it up then. So it's goodbye for me. Bye for me. Bye for me. And also for me. So go and spread the word of this podcast. Go subscribe. Just get more subscriptions. You know where we are. Now fuck and off. Those negative cunts. <laughs> <laughs>